Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. I'm your host, Jack Allen. Today's episode is going to be extra, extra terrestrial. If this is not your thing, it is totally cool to wait until next week's show when I go a little less out outer space. All right, enough with the puns. So please make sure to subscribe and give me a comment on Apple and or Spotify podcast apps. Also, check out my Twitter if you want to connect, Conspiracy or JAC. And if you want to support the show, please go to the Patreon, Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. Okay, now that that is done, let's get on with the show. Reptilians, you may laugh, you may believe, or you may just be interested in learning more about this wild theory. The reptilian theory was popularized by David Icke, who I will be referencing frequently in this podcast. So there are varying ideas on the origin story regarding the reptilians. The one theory is that 450,000 years ago, the reptilians came here from their home planet in the Draco constellation. They came here out of necessity for our gold. At the time in the human chain of evolution, we were not yet homo sapiens. We were more psychically powerful at that time. Because of the high-tech advantages that the reptilians had, they coerced us into mining our world's gold for them. Eventually, we revolted. The reptilians decided that they needed to genetically manipulate us to make us more subservient. This is why in a 200,000 year period, human evolution saw a drastic, quote, upgrade. The reptilians caused this upgrade by manipulating our genetics, which actually lowered our ability to use all of our brain power. Hence comes that saying that we only use 10% of our brain. The second theory is that the reptilians have evolved from a dinosaur. They evolved like humans, mastered mastered interstellar travel. Dale Russell, a paleontologist, was asked by NASA to depict depict dinosaurs that might have not gone extinct. He drew a picture of what he called the Truodon. So without knowing what a reptilian was, he drew a bipedal humanoid reptoid. 
This theory speculates that reptilians had millions of years on this planet, evolved higher technology, and involved higher technology than we had today. They left the Earth, eventually came back, and were greeted by the human race as the dominant, new dominant species. They went undercover, understanding it is easier to imprison people when they do not know that they are in a prison. There is much speculation that they traveled in back from their interstellar traveler travel back through the moon. And for more information on the moon, please check out my Hollow Moon episode for more information. So also just think of uh, Star Wars and the Death Star, essentially. According to Ike, there is a hierarchy for the fourth dimension entities. The albino white reptilians are the royalty. They are about 12 feet tall, winged, and have horns on their skull, which give the appearance of a crown-like skull. This is why the royals have worn crowns for thousands of years. There is a soldier class who is not winged. They are green or brown in color and are around 7 feet tall. 5 to 7 feet tall. Lastly is what many people think of as the greys. These reptilians are about 4 feet tall and wear a gray skin tight suit and the big eyes are from wearing black goggles. This kind of reptilian is mostly associated with abductions and what normally comes to mind when people talk about aliens and saying those things like those little gray men. So there are full bloods and crossbreeds when it comes to the reptilian race. The full bloods, like the white winged giant reptilians, can interchange between a human and their true reptile shape. This is because they reside in the lower fourth dimension. They can access different parts of the brain to change their outward appearance. This may seem crazy, but if you ever get the chance, take a look into cymatics. Cymatic videos show grains of sand on a table, and different sound at different frequencies are played. The sand jumps into different shapes and sizes. It's truly amazing. And this is how the reptilians change their outward appearance. They just use different frequencies, and boom, to our third dimension eyes, they are disguised like humans. And this is why the elite are so obsessed with inbreeding with certain other powerful families. They want to keep enough reptilian genetics so they can still be these pure blood reptilians. The crossbreed reptilians have some human genetics and some reptilian genetics. The hybrids with the more reptilian genetics can be possessed and used to help push the NWO agenda from their reptilian handler or possessor. Ike suggests that when powerful elite are doing rituals and these black magic sacrifices and nefarious acts, they are really trying to summon their fourth dimension reptilian to enter their body. Being from the fourth dimension, the reptilians use a different type of energy to sustain themselves. Instead of eating food and drink, reptilians survive on blood, flesh, and negative energy. Negative energies such as fear, guilt, and anger. These emotions are obviously derived from things like war, sexual perversions, and black magic rituals. This is why war has been waged on our planet for thousands of years. The strings are being pulled from the reptilian elite, pushing their agenda of creating a new world order that is ruled by them from behind the scenes. This is why human trafficking is a billion dollar year industry. They need people, mostly children, for their energy when they torture them. Adrenaline is released when we are frightened. More adrenaline is released when we are deathly scared. So please take into a look into adrenochrome when you have some time. And it'll go, that's a whole nother episode, but the adrenochrome and this energy that's created during these rituals and sacrifices and tortures 
is like a drug to these reptilians and elite, according to Ike. Serpent worship is prevalent in almost every ancient culture all over the world. So the Bible is obviously an obvious one, even the Garden of Eden. She is deceived by the serpent to eat from the tree of knowledge. God has specifically told Eve not to eat from the tree, and she still does anyway. So God punishes the serpent for deceiving Eve by forcing him to crawl on the ground for the rest of his life. This story is filled with imagery, but a basic principle that I took out of this story is why is the punishment for the snake to be forced to crawl? What was he doing before God enforced this punishment? The Garden of Eden story was also around in Persian history. Hedon, which was where men started and were tempted by another serpent to partake in the fruit of the forbidden tree. So the book of Enoch is another example. It was written in biblical times and not included in the King James Bible. There's many reasons why people say this is. According to Ike, though, it is because the church, which is also run by the reptilians, wanted to, this book to be kept a secret because of the information that's put forward in it. The book of Enoch is essentially about the Nephilim or the Watchers falling from grace and, being, and physically being on the earth. The Nephilim are described as looking like humans with serpent characteristics, along with a visage like a viper. This book states that the Nephilim breeded with the human women and created a race of godlike beings. Enoch describes the Watchers as larger than any human. Their faces shone like the sun, their eyes burning like lamps, and their hands were brighter than snow. These are similar characteristics to the royal albino reptilians described by Ike. Enoch also states that ancestral spirits are just destined to oppress, destroy, and afflict destruction on the earth. In my mind, this is a fancy way of saying that certain bloodlines are possessed that are possessed to cause chaos and produce negative energy to feed the reptilians. So whether that means pure blood or uh, crossbreeds, certain family lines, you, you can see in some of these elite lines, each one has caused tons of chaos and destruction. The Watchers were said to reveal secrets to the human race. Two Watchers, who are also referred to as the Shining Ones, are named Azazel and Shemayayu. Azazel is responsible for teaching the humans metal making and Shemayayu taught the humans magic. The Greek story of Prometheus comes directly from this story and from these two watchers in the Book of Enoch. <coughs> Excuse me. There is a Promethe Prometheus statue outside of Rockefeller Center City, Rockefeller Center in New York City. The Rockefellers are known are a known reptilian elite family, according to Ike. Ancient Hebrew also contains its fair share of reptilian imagery. A descendant of Enoch is Noah. Noah from the flood. Noah was said to have been of a strange birth. It was called in the book of, uh, called a non-human birth. Noah is described as looking like the angels in heaven. He is said to have white skin, blonde hair, and eyes that shone like the sun. Lamech, Noah's father, even questioned his wife if he was truly the father. So here again we see the ref this reference of shining brightly, a larger than a normal baby and piercing eyes. The Hebrew text also describes the Watchers as well. The text describes them as Awen, which is translated as devastators or serpents. There is also a story of a monster named Tannin. It is a sea monster with the body of a dragon and a head that is human. 
The King James Bible translates the word tannin as big whale. Just to give you, so you, you know, I have both sides. The text even references a watcher named Baal. And it's Baal, Baal. And if any of you know some things about uh, Satanism, Baal is a deity of ancient Sumerian times that, that children will be sacrificed to. The name is used today in satanic rituals. So have you ever heard of the term Canaanites? I, before researching, I heard of it but never knew where it was. So this is located by Israel in the Bible and the Hebrew Bible. This is the land of Noah's grandson. Different texts suggest that this land was full of giants and evil beings. There is even a story of grapes being the size of people's heads. There are some texts that claim the Nephilim lived in this land. Eventually the city is invaded by God's people and the land is split between the twelve tribes of Israel. The surviving Canaanites, many of which were the giants or Nephilim, were dispersed amongst the tribes. So again we see reference to extra large beings that are engaging in nefarious activities. And on a side note, a researcher, Andrew Collins, found a figurine made out of copper that was from Canaanite. He said it had a serpentine figure with a cobra hood and a snake-like headdress. Continuing the pattern of snake worship, the Hindu religion has a semi-divine race of the Nagas. They were either part human, part snake, or full snake. The two high monks are still referred to as the great Nagas in the Hindu and Buddha religions. According to the Vedas, the Hindu Bible, the Nagas lived either on the earth or in their own world or dimension. If they lived on the earth, they lived in caves, which supports the theories of reptilians living inside the earth, a theme we will see repeated by another, another group. This is one of the references that David uses to support his theory of the reptilians living in the lower fourth dimension. The Middle East is where we see the majority of our snake cult references. The jinn were a godlike people that were prevalent in pre-Islamic times. They were revered and feared at the same time. They also say that the jinn could not be seen with the naked eye most times. They could possess humans and were often depicted as serpents called jinni. Here we see the possession theme again and out of our visible light range. The Ubaid culture was the culture before the Sumerians. The Ubaid was in 5000 BC and the Sumerians were in about 4000 BC. There was a figurine found from the Ubaid culture, and this is an amazing thing, you have to look it up. It's depicted a reptilian mother, so a humanoid with an, like a snake-like head, nursing a humanoid with a snake-like reptilian baby. What is interesting about the Ubaid culture is they openly worshipped lizards. And in Sumeria, which was a thousand years later, they worshipped humans like gods. Is this because reptilians realized that it would be more advantageous for them to hide in the background instead of being openly seen? And that's a question that Ike also references. Sumerian tablets, which the Sumerian tablets, which are a whole episode in itself, they speak of two brothers, Enki and Enlil. Enki was described as a serpent, and his brother was called the Splendid Serpent with the shining eyes. They were represented by two entwined serpents, and that same entwined serpents is found on the medical symbol of today. Another location in the present-day Middle East was the town of Media. In Media, which was an ancient city, the kings were known as Mar, which means snake in Persian. They were referred to as the Dragon Dynasty of Media. It was also said that Media had two races, 
one human person with olive skin, which is normal for this area, and a much taller race that was snow white and had piercing eyes. This region is attributed by many historians of having almost instant civilization. This means one day they were hunter-gatherers and the next day they started a civilized society. It is almost like someone taught them and what they had to do in order to survive without following the animal herds. Ike claims that there is a significant large population of Rh negative blood types in this region. Rh blood is not normal in Africa or in the Asian population, or not common. Rh negative babies also turn blue immediately after birth, and this is where the term blue blood, blue blood comes from, in reference to royalty. Not that horrible show that's about the police officers with the one Wahlberg brother. Ike contributes that the Rh negative factor as being a sign of that certain genetics were manipulated by the reptilians. In Egypt, Sumer, and Israel, kings were also anointed with the fat of the dragon, which was crocodile fat. The crocodile was known as the Mesa, which is a, our translation of Messiah or the anointed one. The pharaohs also wore headdresses that had the cobra visage. Depictions of the pharaohs often were that with elongated skulls, similar to the head of reptiles. Pharaohs also promoted that they had the divine blood to rule. Ike attributes this to the continuation of reptile worship and claiming because of their genetics, they were the most fit to rule. The, the Book of Kings was an Iranian storybook or myth book, whatever you'd like to call it, and there was a king named Sam. He had a baby named Zal who was said to have an unearthly appearance. This book describes him as, as having a large body, and his body was clean and bright as silver, and his hair as white as an old man, and his eyes shone like the sun. So even again, we're seeing such similar descriptions from areas that are all over the world. They're not, at this point, we know that there's some trade in immediately close places, but some of these farther away places, it's still the same kind of description, same story, similar storyline. And uh, I just have a few more references. I know there's a lot here, but I really want to just get this point across that it's almost all over the world there are these references. China to this day still has a serpent belief in regards to dragons. The ancient Chinese believed that they were started by two entities with faces of humans and bodies of snakes. And the Yellow Emperor was the emperor who was attributed to centralizing China from warring factions or tribes, and he was said to be a dragon. His mother supposedly got pregnant with the baby, Yellow Emperor, from a streak of light. So he was born of a virgin, similar to another story. And she saw this streak of light in the Northern Dipper and then became pregnant. Few people claim to have seen the Emperor change. A few people have claimed to even see the Emperor change into a dragon at times. And when he died, they said he ascended to heaven by becoming a dragon. So again, we see this theme of shape-shifting and kind of leaving this world outer dimension, but definitely the theme of shape-shifting is present in this, in this uh, origin story. Now we're going to go over to North America. So the Hopi tribe is a very interesting tribe in the southwest of America. They believe that they descended from the inner earth. They believe they lived in huge caverns, and they refer to a race that was their ancestors as their snake brothers. They still do a snake dance to this day. The Hopi do not re recreate images of the reptilians out of, or out of their snake brothers out of fear of retribution of death or punishment. 
and Ike attributes this to the reptilians deciding it would be easier to control humanity from behind the shadows. Just like how we saw in Sumer and Ubaid culture the difference. After the Hopi ex exited the caverns, their languages were all confused and it caused separation amongst their tribe, similar to the Tower of Babel story. The Hopi tribe is in western part of the U.S. like Arizona, California, and New Mexico. They stated that under present-day L.A., there was an ancient tunnel system that was built by the lizard race around 5,000 years ago, same time as the Ubaid culture. In 1933, Warren Schufelt, an engineer, claimed to have found this tunnel. In 1909, a subterranean city was found by G.E. Kincaid near the Grand Canyon. It was big enough to house 50,000 people, and there were ancient Asian and Egyptian artifacts found in this cavern. Obviously, this is a huge discovery. Two articles were written about it in the Arizona Gazette. And after publication, the Smithsonian came to investigate and remove all artifacts. Since that time, they still deny any existence of such a cavern. Later, though, John Rhodes claims he found the city Kincaid discovered and found that it actually connected with the extensive tunnel system referenced by the Hopi Native Americans. A shaman and one-time main expert and one of the main experts of the reptilian theory is the Zulu shaman Kredo Mutwa. Kredo is referenced all over David Icke's books. You can watch him on YouTube talk about all about the reptilians. So Kredo says the Zulu people believe their gods came from the Draco constellation. They arrived in huge ships and started manipulating the humans' appearances and abilities. The Zulus believe they were psychic and... Uh, lived in like a loving world before these gods came. So he also said the Zulu shared the same fear of depicting the reptilians out of fear of punishment. And that's why there's so few drawings and put so much snake and serpent symbolism. According to a reptilian theorist to this day, the pure blood reptilians are controlling bloodlines of the world. They are pulling the strings, causing the death and destruction that always seem to occur on our planet. So that's pretty much all the facts that David goes over and I've pulled from other sources. And I try to always give my opinion after I go over their facts. So I believe that there is an entity that creates horrible things in this world. I mean, normal people like that we all know and associate with are not heartless, nor are they evil. But some of our elite are just that. They lack the consciousness one must have to allow thousands of people to die, like on 9-11 or lack the empathy and allow these abductions to hurt children. There are satanic rituals that have been documented. Look at the Bilderberg group raising a large owl fire, and that fire was used to sacrifice something. Now, after the video came out, they said they were it was playing around, they weren't actually sacrificing humans or something. But why would these rich lead even play around with that or act that out? Like, what, Can you imagine an 80-year-old or a 50-year-old man just chanting in a robe in front of a big owl and fire i mean i don't do that in my spare time so there is a more sinister reason that these guys are doing this besides just getting together and hanging out i mean again has your friends ever done this or even thought about doing something like this so there's something nefarious that the certain elites or families are promoting so whether you believe in god or whether you believe in satan or reptilians these elite believe in something. So people make fun of conspiracy theorists, and I'd rather get a few things wrong than live my life with my eyes shut. 
there is real evil, real evil in this world. And the evil elite just want you to watch TV, follow the bread and circus routine, and consume and just follow their rules. They want to divide us and have us fight with each other. And so we don't realize what's really going on. We focus on what's over there when they're doing the, what they're really doing is right in front of us. But they distract us with some crazy news or some sports event or whatever they want at the time. And uh, so do I believe in reptilians? You know, I really don't know. There's so many stories with reptilians. And uh, it's really interesting. I mean, why did all these cultures pick reptilians? In Tibet, I believe, they uh, have pictures. Uh, they revere snakes, but there are no snakes in this land. They can't grow. They can't flourish there because of the environmental factors. So why would this culture also, uh, ancient culture, serpent you know worship serpents it's just a very odd thing and now it's funny how we you know we kind of view snakes as evil at this time but back in ancient times you know they were revered but also feared in many cultures and lastly i'm going to reiterate that thing how god punishes the serpent by crawling for the rest of his life or eternity but what was the snake doing before he was crawling so with that guys i guess i'm going to leave you off I hope that uh, you enjoyed the podcast. I know, like I said, it was a little wild. And maybe you learned something. I Hopefully you did. And uh, please check out the moon one if you want to kind of add these two with how the reptilians left and maybe came back in the moon. But until next time, folks, I'm your host, Jack Allen. And next week I will take it back to something more governmental conspiracy. And uh, thanks for listening to Conspiracy or Just a Coincidence. Have a good night, guys, and I look forward to talking to you again. Have a good one. Bye. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.